I'd like to start off by thanking all the volunteers, all the professionals, all the exhibitors, all the attendees, all our friends at our hotels, staff at the Convention Center, staff at Freeman, security firms that worked the show and made this whole thing possible. It's not a simple task. So, format. I have a microphone. I have a line. I try to take notes as quickly as I can. If you'd like a response or an answer, please wait at the microphone while I'm still scribbling. If you just wander away, then I assume you just wanted to provide some information to us, which is great. We love hearing from all of you. But if you actually would like an attempt to address the issue or any greater knowledge of what may or may not have gone on in any particular situation, please wait until I have a chance. Please try to bring up one issue at a time so that everybody gets a chance because there's quite a long line. Also, if you think your question's been addressed, or been brought up, please consider not asking in a slightly different way for the third or fourth time. Because I guarantee you the answer will be about the same all three or four times. I'm kind of good at that. <laughs> and without further ado, first up we have. Thank you. Hello. My name is Donna, and I'm a volunteer here. I'm also an attendee. And so I've been coming for several years now, and I'm a, I was first a hearing person when I was coming, and now I'm deaf. And I recognized the changes were dramatic as far as coming in and access. So two things that I'd like to recommend First is my experience this year, going into Hall H and viewing the panel. So I went from Marvel, and they had a pre-video, it was the Defenders video they were showing, without closed captioning. And so that was a challenge for me, and the reason is because it was completely dark in the auditorium, of course, and so, I'm trying to figure out whether I should be watching the big screen or looking at the interpreter. But it's so dark, I couldn't even see the interpreter. So the, light, the lighting was very bad, I'm sorry to say. And if I wasn't seated in the front, there were three seats where we could actually view the interpreter. And it was just impossible to see. So I had to actually move to a different... So I was seated too far because I couldn't, you know, at that point I couldn't see the interpreter, which means I got less than 50% visually, and then less than 50% of the actual dialogue of what was being said. So, if that's something that can be worked on in the future, I would greatly appreciate that very much. Captioning for everything, especially if it's on video. It requires, you know, it's in the Bible, it's, it's uh, something in the law. So I don't know what kind of support Comic-Con needs for captioning for the videos, 
but I'd be willing to work with you to find a solution. Then the second thing, very briefly, is uh, emergency announcements. I was sitting in the expo, I was walking in the, the uh, expo area, and there was tons of people close to me walking around, and someone would just stop and look up. Everybody would just stop while they're walking and just look up, and I'm thinking, what's going on? Is there an emergency situation? So I was searching for some kind of, maybe a caption text box somewhere saying what was going on, whatever announcement was being made, and there was nothing that was being shown there. So I had to ask around, say, what's going on? Is there an announcement being made? And they said, there's an emergency. And I said, what kind of emergency? So the point is, technology assists in creating, like maybe there's some kind of app that can be sent through text message that says that we have some kind of emergency situation in this area, so please avoid it, for example, or in the location that you're at or in this room. That would really be helpful. Because we all have phones now. And so text messaging, like a little broadcast, would be amazing and be very beneficial for us. Thank you. And it's not only for deaf people, it's also for hearing people. I think everyone, you know, we can't, nobody can hear in that room, the exhibition room. <laughs> nobody. It's very loud. So, thank you. Thank you. We'll look into what we can do about both those issues. Thank you for accommodating me. Hey, John. Uh, this, this, has my, this has been my 23rd straight Comic Con, and uh, I've been going to this panel for like eight, eight or nine years, and I've noticed a trend every time I come here. It's like three things issues with ADA, issues with line management, and issues with security. I know you're taking notes. I was wondering are you, are you checking, like doing like some sort of trial error in between throughout the year, see what works, what not, what doesn't work, so this, this, these doesn't keep popping up every time we come here in this room on the last day of every Comic-Con? So we are always looking at our plans. We're always defining our plans better, trying to get better maps, better information to everybody involved. Um, we're trying to get the information to the security companies in a format that hopefully the individuals who would need to carry out the plan can execute on better. And we're hiring additional line managers every year. We've gone from having 30 to over 150 this year so that we have more staff out there in place and clearly we don't have that one crack yet. Right. But I also think over the last eight years the lines have grown more and more and more. So basically our rate at which we try to solve the problem is not keeping up with the rate at which it is growing. And I'm sorry about that part of it, because we do try. Hi, my name is Brian Roden. I've been going to Comic-Con for 36 years. And uh, this is for some of us been up on the microphone. Uh, who is the this ICS uh, security people? The, I, I think that they have an I, like an I. There's an IPS security IPS. company that was working the show? Yeah. Uh, well, apparently yesterday I had a lady uh, 
people were standing around talking and everything, and I stopped to take a photograph of a character, and I was told by this lady, you must keep moving, sir, and then blah, 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 you must keep moving. And I'm sitting there looking around at like a whole bunch of other people just standing around, not moving. And I said, well, I'm just here to, no, if you don't keep moving, I will have you forcibly removed from the Comic-Con. And I, you know, from these premises. And I asked her what her name was, and I said, and they said, if you want to talk to my supervisor, he's right there. And the supervisor came over and said, I said, look at all these people that aren't moving over there. Well, that's not my section. This is my section, and I make sure that she's doing her job. And I said, I said, well, I will bring this to the Comic-Con and talk back. Where was this played? This was in the exit area where 1 through 7 come out, right by the elevator, escalator area. I do not like being told I'm going to be removed from the premises. Nobody would. I have two, these are small ones. Okay, one, they should have emailed through Comic-Con's email system that the, I guess the vendors and the business owners at the, at the, what's called the Hazard Center have decided that they want, they did not want to vent parking until after 5 p.m. for the week, for the weekdays. And you have a purple bus that shows up there. It's like, it's like all of a sudden everybody that uses that, my friends included, said we can't park there because they had tenants out there saying, no, you can't park it for Comic-Con. I was unaware that Hazard Center changed their policy. The bus stop is there to accommodate the guests staying at the Doubletree Hotel inside the official block. Yeah, I know, and they changed it. They said that the people that own the businesses there said they don't want people parking there. So, and the last one, please, please, please put the art show back in Comic-Con. Please. That was my last one. Thank you very much. Hi. Hi, Mr. Rogers. I've talked to you for a few years about the ADA line and made a few suggestions and I kind of want to go over it again in hopes that something can be done. And we keep getting different information when we're in ADA or general. And I've been in both. Which ADA line, just so we're... There's only one ADA line. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Paul H. Okay. That is what I was assuming you were going to talk about, but... You're right. Without asking, honestly. And we get different information from different sources. Somebody will tell us it's going to be all the A's that are going to be going in and all the B's. Or then you'll hear, oh, it's going to be the wheelchairs, then one shoot of general, then one shoot of ADA. And it seems to change on every single day. And then you get told not to worry because there are plenty of ADA seats inside. There's not. You go to sit in a red seat and you're told you can't sit there because that's a seat specifically for an attendee of somebody in a wheelchair. 
I get that, that's perfectly fine, but then that means there are not plenty of uh, seats for any people with disabilities. Um, it doesn't seem like there's an equal ratio, or I mean, not an equal ratio, but that there's, a, there's an equality there. And I get, in general, most of the general Hall H line camps out longer than us, but not always. In fact, we lined up Thursday night at 8 o'clock for the Saturday uh, 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 Hall H. So we were out there just as long, and yet the A and B groups were both let in before any of the ADA. I'm honest. A friend of mine that had gotten there at 5 o'clock in the morning for general got in before me. And I was the very front of the ADA for Saturday. It, it just isn't, you know, I don't expect us to be given an, an advantage. There has to be, you know, they want to be front row. We want to be front row. Maybe if there are some ADA seats that are front row. And, and nobody else can sit in them. You know, maybe if there's more ADA seats that are uh, that aren't just for attendees, people in wheelchairs that are that are peppered throughout the area. You know, things like that. But it's it's just not fair the way it is right now. And if it almost seems like it's better just to go in the general line, which is fine. You know, if you can do that, but not everybody can do that. And you know the people in wheelchairs can't do that. It's grassy long. They're not going to be able to do that. Um, I guess the next thing, and I don't know, I really have no suggestions on how you can handle this, is the sun for where the ADA has to line up. I, I was looking at it today, and I don't see a way that you could really block the sun because of the angle it comes in. Putting any kind of roofing or, or tents over there is going to really disrupt traffic. Um, I don't have a suggestion for that. I mean, if you guys can look at it and see if there's somewhere else we can line up so that people in wheelchairs aren't baking in the sun during the daytime, that's... Yeah, and one of the problems that we have is that the fire marshal doesn't allow any sort of temporary structure within right. 10 feet. So we've not found a spot that wouldn't be in the flow of during the day traffic that would accommodate that ADA line that would be more out of the sun, which is what everybody would like to see. Yeah, I, I don't have an easy one for that. But just hopping back to the other one, I mean, I, I noticed Scott Zimmerman's in here, and he was the one that I had talked to on Friday, who had said it's going to be one shoot of uh, general and then one shoot of ADA. And that was perfectly fine, and then we get to Saturday, and it's, you know, two, three shoots. I don't know what B, how far A and B both take up. But when you get different sources telling you different things. You know, we don't know what to expect. It's hard on us, and that's it. Okay. I'm sorry for your frustration and the confusion. Like I said before, we do try to get more specific with the plans and execute better on them. Yeah. I, I, I think all of us that are ADA here just hope that you'll take, because I'm sure there are probably going to be more suggestions that Something to be done to make it equal for all of us. That is always our goal. Thank you very much.
so Hall H, this band zone seemed to be uh, like totally effective. I heard rumors of great fine like, counterfeiting or something. Um, I got a suggestion to like, you got RFID in your badges now. You can tie this to your the member ID profile. When we're in line, scan this, have it connected to our profile, set flags and say you're in group A for Hall H on whatever you're in line for. That way, you know, you just have to tap in right at the Hall H doors as the line goes in. I don't know if you guys are looking at that. I don't know what your infrastructure is. Before this year, I don't think that there were any additional wristbands that were in existence. It seems to me that it's quite possible there was some number of counterfeit wristbands that somebody produced. And you're going to have to look at the security of the wristbands and how we tie them to people going forward. Um, as much as I love technology and doing stuff with the RFID cards, I always get um, persuaded by a lot of our other staff that every little piece of technology we add, every piece of complication, is another thing that can go wrong. So we do, to some degree, take the approach, we've never had a duplicated wristband. Let's not make this more complicated when we're having enough difficulty getting people to tap in and out and make that work universally. And it's like, okay, I guess I don't get to have all my whiz-bang toys. But maybe I get a new one, so that's nice. Okay. Um, also, real quick, um, in the guidebook, it mentions about smoking is not, it's only in designated areas. While in the Hall H line outside, people are smoking in the line. I don't think that was allowed, um, and it shouldn't be, so. That's my last Thanks. Thank you. Uh, I do not have a complaint. I've had a wonderful con. I think Comic Con International did a great job this year. I just have a question. This is purely informational. I was wondering why returning registration was so delayed this year, or if that was intentional, and if you intend to keep that timeline in the future? The short answer is we had some thoughts about a different way of doing the returning registration. Um, it became clear at a certain point that that wasn't going to pan out on a reasonable schedule, so we went back to what we were doing, but much later than we would have ever liked and anticipating doing it much earlier for 2018. So we're looking back at November again? Or? We're looking at moving it back on the calendar. I'm always very careful not to announce dates because there's <laughs> lots of people, lots of things involved with the dates. Yeah, I understand, you know, we also need to be able to block off our weekends. Yes, I completely understand that part of the problem too, but I don't want to say this month and then it's a different month and hey, but you said this. I understood. I, oh, and thank you. it was much later than we ever wanted it. Thank you very much. Um, I've been coming for um, about 24 years now, cosplaying for the last five. 
and um, I carry a staff, just a you know, normal staff as a lot of cosplayers do. Uh, yesterday I was pulled aside and asked to go to a weapons check, which was no problem, but then they informed me that I had to zip tie and attach my staff to my person in order to be able to remain in the hall or I would be kicked out. And so I gave it a try. They zip tied one zip tie and then the little, you know, the little band, the red band onto my staff. We tried to make it where I couldn't walk that way. So I just felt that was strange. And one of the security guards said something about people um, swinging around their props and there was a problem the other day. And that's why they were doing it. But um, to me, that was like the infamous, you know, ink stabbing, the ball, ball pin stabbing from a few years ago. <laughs> right? Uh, nobody can have ink in their pens anymore in the, in the Comic-Con because something bad happened. So I was just a little bit... So anyway, I ended up leaving the day and I heard a lot of other cosplayers did too as a result of that. I was wondering if you had heard anything about that or what's going on. We've taken a much more restrictive approach to what we allow and how much any item that's part of a costume could be used as a real weapon. And going forward, I think things like wooden staffs that could actually damage people may either be zip-tied to people's costumes or just not allowed. Unfortunately, we do not live in a world that is getting friendlier or more sane. So. Well, um, I could just suggest that I don't mind it being attached to myself, perhaps with a chain or something on my waist, but it became unworkable where I would literally yep. be tripping over myself, and that would be even more of a hassle. And I think we need to be a little clearer with that further out so then you can plan your costumes and accessories appropriately. That would be helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, I write very slow. Okay. Um, I've been a professional artist for 20 years, um, and I've been um, part of a San Diego Pro for 2000, uh, since 2011. So um, my concern is I live um, all the way in the East Coast, and what helped me was like you broke down the registration for the badges. I was wondering if you could do the same thing for hotel rooms, for like breaking down for industry people, professionals, and then the general audience, because. I, I essentially have a budget, and I have to break down each time when I uh, do the reservation. And plus, I have a, a dis learning disability. And when people reply back to me in email, I, I perceive things literally. So sometimes they might um, be sarcastic in their email, and I could take that quite literally, and I would be very upset by that. So I would really hope that professional uh, department would be more professional and be more um, su uh, subjective when they're sending communication to professionals and also professionals who are uh, EADA accommodations. And plus I have a card I can give you so you can look at for your reference. Sure, please. We've looked at doing the pros as a sub-block before. Our problem is the pro registration deadline and um, when the hotels go on sale, don't line up. There are, are always a lot of professionals who haven't decided whether they're coming to the show or have been approved for pro status. So we're always concerned that if we do the pros at a particular point, 
then we're going to wind up excluding a bunch of pros who haven't registered. And we're then also going to set up a conflict between the pros and the attendees based on how we apportion the block. I'm sorry, you're not close enough to the mic. Uh, well, I'm, I understand that, but I'm just wondering if you can keep that in consideration when you're uh, doing the badges and then um, letting people know who registered early for professionals and then have like a deadline for uh, hotel rooms or for something, something similar, um, like they would have the redundancy of some sort to accommodate all professionals who come apply early and all professionals who apply late, similar, could be similar done to uh, exhibitors and general attendees. Okay, we'll take a look at the, the sub-blocking and how we could do more housing sales. Hi, um, I've never done this talk back before, so thank you very much for giving us this opportunity to talk back. A um, couple things, just want to say thank you so much for, because I know logistics are tremendous here. And I especially wanted to make a shout out to the cleaning ladies in the bathrooms. Because I, I never heard that before. And I really appreciate the fantastic job they do 24 24 5 then. Um, the issue I did want to talk about had to do with the buses, which I also really appreciate. The shuttle service is fantastic. This is the first year, though, where I've written on, I was on the Purple Line all week. Three different times I had three different bus drivers who did not know the route. <laughs> Literally did not know the route. And as late as, as yesterday, last night, did not know the route. Um, I ended up talking to uh, one of the bus drivers who was more experienced, and she said that they were given maps um, like one minute before their, their, but they had to go on their first route. Um, and I looked at the maps that they had, and the, all of the maps gave directions from Petco. None of them gave directions from the con itself, from the convention center itself. And so, literally, we sat there for 20 minutes with this one poor bus driver who could not figure out how to get from the convention center to the freeway. And, and I had to sit there, I didn't speak Spanish, I had to ask for somebody who did speak Spanish to translate our GPS instructions to get them to the freeway to get us to our hotel. So, for me, the simple solution would be uh, just a simpler, maybe bilingual map to all, to get to all routes. And, and that's all. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, hi, my name is, oops, thank you. Hi, my name is Tristan, this is my seventh year at Comic-Con, and uh, for the last four years I've actually gotten into Hall H with fairly ease after 10 p.m. sleeping and just doing the line until the next day. Uh, yesterday, I was like, I'll try to get a little early because the line looks hectic. It was 4 p.m., 4.30. I brought my girlfriend, and we weren't that far behind from the bracelets, maybe 80 to 100, which actually isn't a lot. And uh, by the time that people started rolling at 8.30, the whole wristband scandal, uh, et cetera, um, when we got there, we were told we were about 1,500 to 2,000. That's where we were. Clearly enough space for wristbands. And we made it into the first shoot, and no one moved all day. 
There was absolutely no movement in the chutes, meaning that we could never get in. Uh, it was an extremely frustrating experience. I know there's no guarantees, but when you hear about 400 possible counterfeit wristbands, that robs a lot of people of an amazing experience at Hall H that I've enjoyed for many years. So I guess the RFID thing would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I think we'll get to play with some new toys. Yeah. Appreciate that. I'm sorry that happened also, because that's very unfair. Exactly. Yeah. Hi there, my name is Aaron. Uh, this is, I think, 27, 26 or 27 of the Comic Cons for me. So I've been coming for a while. I've never come to a talk back before. Um, I'm coming also to talk briefly about Hall H uh, situation. Uh, I was part of the group with the wristbands who, uh, when they loaded us in the chutes, as at the, the back of the chute that was full of wristband people, uh, de wristband people, and we uh, that didn't get in until at around two o'clock. Um, and I guess my main, one of my biggest concerns that I just wanted to express was a real lack of communication that took place. Uh, I was, uh, and, and I think it really ran into a lot of trouble of trying to get information of what was going on when uh, the, the paperwork says, you know, you have the wristband, you're guaranteed AC. Um, and then, you know, the, we got, by the time they loaded our chute, it was 11.27, the panel started at 11.30, and then our chute just never went. We were all kind of looking at each other, saying, what's going on, what's going on? Um, about 20 minutes passed, they went sort of to the back, um, to the corner where the traffic goes, and asked them if you put the green shirts, you know, could you let us know what's going on? I was told that they thought the fire marshal had closed, and don't worry, you'll probably get in today, was the response. And I was like, we have the wristbands, is anyone... Could you, could you ask someone else who might have a better understanding of if, are they closing it off for this block? Um, are they saying, like, can we go to the bathroom? You know, we've got here at like seven o'clock, so we could make sure, we don't know if we can, and you said, I was told that there's no way that they could communicate with anyone or get any of that information from me. Um, and I said, okay, well, could I go around and try to talk to someone up front and then you can let me back in? I was told, I can't guarantee I can let you back in. Uh, and so kind of went back and was, again, and at that point, then I think it was like 40, 50 minutes had passed, still zero information. Um, and I sort of went out and I was like, okay, whatever, I'm just going to cut out the side and talk to a person in the front with a big hat, straw hat. more, seemed like it was up the scale. I was told that, um, you know, it's been closed. We think it's a uh, fire marshal. You'll probably get in. And maybe we'll let some people in at 1.30. And I was like, could you please come back and tell the people on the line, we just have zero information, we're just, we don't really don't understand what's going on. Um, and I was told, you know, I can't leave my post, was the response I got. Um, so then I went down the line and started announcing to everyone. And, and, uh, and then at some point people were like, go get us more information. So I went and, <laughs> I believe, uh, so I went, so we went up to the Hall H doors and knocked on the window, talked to the security guard, eventually, you know, He's like, I'll get some, I'll get some on. A few minutes passed, we're still here. Um, and I think really Paul Webb was the name of the man who came out and I talked to. Um, and I was told that, uh, that like, every, I guarantee, he said, I guarantee you every single seat in there is full. Um, he said that we believe there was a number of counterfeit wristbands, possibly up to like 400. Um, and so we don't know. Uh, and then he felt my wristband for a while and said, yeah, like, it wasn't very confidence 
was like 15 seconds of feedback. I was like, yeah, I think that's real, right? That's real. Um, so it didn't seem like it was easy to check, I guess, by feel. But so I was told, like, you know, it's we don't know. And, and, I, and I, I mean, I accept that, like, if people do stuff, that puts you guys in a tough spot. But I was like, and I said, but still, the thing is, we have zero communication. We just don't know. No one knows that. Is anyone going to tell us? And he said, I, I don't know. I can try to get someone. I'm like, could you come? And I was told again, I can't leave my post. Uh, and so then I went down the line and I told everyone that's the story right now, you know, and was announcing all the way down. Um, and, uh, and then started having people come up to me and say, like, I need to go to the bathroom. Can I do that? And I'm like, I don't work here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then, and then it really wasn't until Eddie came out at like 2 o'clock. So that was really from 11.30 to 2 o'clock with zero information from Comic-Con staff. Um, and, and even then at that point, then I was like requesting, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling, I just want to make sure you have the full story. Um, even then at that point, I was like, oh, can you talk to one of the calls with the Straw Hats? Can you make sure people go down and tell everyone in the back that this is the solution and that this is, you know, and that we're hoping maybe we'll get in, they're not going to try it anymore. Um, and I was kind of sarcastically almost like, well, you took the leadership role, why don't you go down? And, and like, it was kind of given, and I was like, I'm not, I don't want to do this, you know, but this is, this is your guys' job. And I was like, oh, I'll send one. Oh, do you want two people? Um, and that was the response I got, which was, I guess, kind of frustrating. So, um, just wanted to kind of, my real concern was just the lack of communication. Um, I felt that that was really, the people on that line really deserved more in terms of communication, and I don't know if it was like, Little speakers up on the top of some of the tents, if that's an option of some way in the future to convey um, messages that are important. Um, but it really, it really didn't seem fair to the people with the, the line, the wristband passes. And it, it just felt like, with the, with in general, there was also the rule that 7.30 is the deadline for if you're supposed to be in, if you have a wristband. Um, but pe many people were still coming and joining. And then we asked, and they said, actually, if they have a group, we're kind of letting that go, was what we were told. Um, and so it just really felt like if you're setting up, so the communication for that, but then in general, the Hall H line, if you're setting up either rules that are unenforceable, like the one to five, um, which is just really impossible for line people in line to manage, or if you're setting up something that you're not going to follow, you're just really setting up uh, a framework for really people just breaking the rules and taking advantage of the situation. <laughs> So I was also in the line for Hall H for 26 hours in the first shoot, and we were stuck there the whole day. And um, I just wanted to talk about, so you talked about the lack of communication with the, like, the officials talking to the line, but I just wanted to talk about the, what appeared to be like a lack of communication between the officials themselves to where we had, multiple people would come by and tell us different things what was happening. For example, um, after we found out we were in the standby line, they were told us we were towards the front, we were, there was a, like, a chance of getting in, and then that they would start moving us soon. And then there was nothing for a long time, and then someone would come and tell us that we were, we were told to like set up tent, kind of, like get ready to sleep. And then like 20, 10 to 20 minutes later, they would tell us that we're moving right now and we need to go, and things like that. And then um, being in the chute towards the back of the chute that was ready to go in for the whole day, we were really close to the, uh, the officials from different groups of security, people working in the line. And they didn't really seem to know what was going on or what like, each different group was supposed to be doing and they were kind of relying on other people to do things that they ended up not doing. For example, um, people would tell them, the uh, officials, that they were like from the bathroom, that they were going to come back in line to their spot 
and the, there, were, there was a very nice man who was working as the, like, the line management, and he assumed that the other security group was in charge of that, but they thought the other people were in charge, and then you watch people from cars get out, and then just say that they were just going to the bathroom really fast, and they, they were back at the front of the chute and go to the front of the chute, and things like that. So there was a lot of um, lack of communication. There's another example. I was going down the line trying to find out what was going on because of the lack of information from officials that I was talking to one group who was directed by line management to the island where the Viking funeral was being held, and they were there very early. And then another person came and told them that they couldn't be there, and they told them they weren't allowed to get back in line and were sent to the back of the line. And so they lost their entire spot from waiting for the whole day. And um, so just uh, if there's a way to possibly increase the amount of communication between the officials, maybe like a if you can't do walkie-talkies, something just a text thing that they could go out to. And then um, another just quick thing that I want to talk about was kind of the attitude of some of the officials. There are some amazing people that we met online that were happy to work with us, but then there were other ones. Yeah, they were, they were incredible, so thank you for being patient with the line people. But then there were also some, like, it was actually, I believe, I don't know what his position was, but he was telling some of the line people what to do. He was more higher up, I suppose. He was... A little rude, like he um he was. I walked by when he was giving instructions, and they asked him if they if they should inform people that they're going to be moving soon. And he's like, "Nah, just surprising." That was exactly what he said. And then also after being moved 20 feet for like on and off for about two hours around 1:30 in the morning, he came by and he was making jokes about how they're going to come hit us with a hose soon. So that was pretty fun to hear. <laughs> yeah, and um just kind of some of the and like the, some employees would come and like. Or not employees, but like line officials would say, "Oh, this person lied to you about this information. Um, you're just not going to get in, and things like that." So, um, just have just a lack of communication between the officials, and then just toward the attitude towards the people online. And I understand that some people online can be very hard to deal with too, but if they're being polite, just try to work with that. Thank you. You know, once again, I'm sorry the line on Saturday went sideways on us. In the Spectacular fashion. We also had issues with the Viking ship yeah. burning thing and some unexpected fallout from that. Yeah, sorry I heard about that. That's another example of the communication. If you could like talk to the people and make sure that they come. I don't know what happened to the Viking funeral, but. Well, hi, I'm Jeff. Uh, I'm coming up here today to talk about some Hall H on Saturday. Uh, well, uh, kind of a different take on it, though. Um, I was there Thursday evening, and so some of the officials, some of the security who were here in the room were there. You know, it, it was kind of a mess. It was a, it was a very long day, kind of setting up a brief narrative before I get to my point. That, you know, you have people waiting on Wednesday and the Friday next day line, waiting for Saturday. And, you know, they brought to security later on Thursday evening around 4 o'clock, you know, telling security, oh, we were misled, you know, giving the whole uh, poor me story. And it was kind of back and forth. Uh, several unofficial lines were dispersed all day. And groups of people were just hanging out. And, you know, line management did come in at around maybe 6 or so, you know, dispersed groups, dispersed groups, but, you know, they don't leave. And... I could say line management, you know, they need to enforce rules and this like that, but I think it's getting to a point that even if staff and security work to enforce rules, you can't, you know, it's like unofficial people are going to keep lining up and start groups. So I was thinking, would Comic-Con International ever consider, maybe in the near future or a few years from now or whenever, 
opening up an online lottery slash reservation
director or HR, a representative from HR for Stand-Up Hub or Comic-Con International, she had me write out a seven-page complaint for triplicate. In triplicate, wrote that out, gave it to her. She said, we're going to talk to Mr. Craig the following day. He was going to be reprimanded. You have nothing to worry about. I said, well, are you going to compensate me in some fashion for the days I lost staying in line that I never got back? She said, sorry, we can't do that. I said, well, but can you give me tickets for the following year, this year, for those days lost? She said, no, we can't do that. So I said, okay, fine. So when I came this year, I talked to Carrie over at the ADA booth and said, again, I don't want to have the same problems I've had years past. I'm clearing this chair with you. And she said, don't worry, everything's cool. But you need to talk to Hall H Security because they're different from us in this booth. So I went all the way down to Hall H. I talked to a gentleman in a white shirt. I found that this year there's a real pecking order as far as security. The guys in the white shirts with the RA on their lapel are, from what I've learned, were at the top of the food chain. The guys going down, it's like white, then it's blue, then it's green, then it's yellow. The guys in yellow don't know shit. So having said that, I talked to Zach, told him my situation from the previous year and talking with Donna. He said, don't worry, I'll get on the horn, I'll talk to all my coworkers, tell them about your situation. It'll all be good. This will be a great con for you. So having said that, I thought, okay, I'll go get in line for Friday for Thursday morning. So I started the ADA line. I was the first person in the ADA line on Thursday at 7.30 in the morning. And I slept overnight in that freezing building all night to reserve my seat for Friday. And so I get all the way up to the front. They usher us off to the side of the escalators. And I'm standing there and I'm watching the whole section A of the regular line going in. I said, well, wait a second, I was first in line. I mean, I was reassured that I was going to be able to go in. They're telling me, don't worry, everything's okay. We've already taken in some wheelchair people in front of you. I said, wait a second, I was the head of the line. There was a lot of wheelchair people behind me. And I thought I was qualified for the wheelchair because of my chair. They said, don't worry, don't worry, there's plenty of seats. I'm thinking I'm going to be at the front as opposed to way in the back like every year. And so I get in there finally with my assistant. And sure enough, like the first 30 rows are already filled with people. And so when I went up to a spot where there was a red chair and I'm pulling on my chair, I had countless people in, these were black shirts, different than the pecking order that I just mentioned, that are in college telling me, sorry, you can't sit here. I said, well, I'm not taking any seat. They said, sorry, you can't sit here. So I'm packing up my chair. I'm moving to another location. Every location I sat at, it was not the proper one. I was constantly asked to move. It was just getting super frustrating. So finally, I just put my chair into the bag that it normally sits in. I sat in one of those red chairs. And basically, it got, I don't want to say a pissing match, but I was really livid at that point. And 
some some manager by the name of Maurice came up to me and he says, "Don't worry, you can stay right there. You know, if anybody has a problem, have them come back and talk to me. You're good." Well, I don't know who Maurice is because nobody seemed to know who this guy is. <laughs> so I still got countless other people coming up and telling me I can't sit here. This was how it's always in. It always is in a hall H. It's never a clear definition to what the rules are. I mean, they handed us out this form at the ADA booth. I followed these rules to the letter. I also followed the rules on page nine on the, on the quick guide to the letter for Hall H. But all the while, at the very bottom of that little disclaimer on, on page nine, it says Comic-Con has the right to refuse service. And I'm going, well, I guess rules are made to be broken because all the rules on this page and on page nine were broken for me. Sorry, we haven't been able to make ADA work appropriately for you. Clearly, we're not measuring up in the fashion that we need to, and we need to reevaluate how we're communicating internally, because it seems pretty clear from your description that you need a wheelchair slot, and the people passing out the wristbands are not giving you a wheelchair slot, because by rights, you should have been the first ADA wheelchair person in the world, and somehow that detail isn't making it all the way around. I realize that doesn't resolve your problem or so, or fix the you know humiliation and aggravation you had this year. It's the it's the immediate pre-evaluation of people seeing me for face value and not understanding the disabilities I have. They've already yeah. made it up in their mind. You're not disabled, so you don't belong in this line. And rather than I've got an iPad in my in my back here that has photographs of all of my surgeries that my doctors have taken with all the plates that I've got in my spine and in my leg. I use that as my explanation. It's kind of like the one picture's worth a thousand words scenario. So I like to show that, but last year, Craig didn't want to see any of those pictures, nor my DMV certificate for my plaque. Didn't want to see any of that because apparently the HIPAA law prevents him from asking those questions, kind of questions, but at the same time too, it prevents him from understanding my situation. You know, so. Yeah, we're just going to have to reevaluate how we're doing that because there's nothing on your badge that tells the people doing the wristbands that this person needs a wheelchair slot. Yes. And we need to figure out how to do that because that's where it's falling down and that doesn't make you feel any better or get you a better seat or fix the problems you suffer. I understand that. I mean, last, last year was such a pissing match. Oh, don't fix it. Put it out the back. Thank you. Hi, John. My name's Cole, and uh, this is my fourth year at Comic Con. Uh, so, my complaint this year is about Hall H. You know, I come to Hall H. Uh, every, every other time I've gone to Comic Con, except for this year, uh, I agree with, uh, uh, with one person who mentioned that there was a lack of communication with staff, but I'll also add to that there was a general lack of organization with the line, and there was a lack of volunteers available at, at the line. Um, I've been waiting since 3 p.m. Uh, for that uh, for Hall H on Saturday to get the wristbands. And it wasn't until 11 p.m. that we actually heard from any, any volunteer that 
first being available, do you hear from anyone that you were serving with or low, or whether or not, because there's no notice whether or not you can be getting tickets in the first place, uh, wristbands in the first place. Um, when, when, I, when I arrived in line at 3 p.m., I, it, it was clear that it was well under 6,500 people in line at that time. But by the end of the night, I mean, that, that number had appeared to grow by a ton. I knew it was amazing. Uh, but yeah, that was just my general complaint. I just feel like uh, you might need more volunteers in upcoming years to keep track of people. And I know that there was a five-person limit. Uh, for, for parties, but I don't think that rule was being followed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Hi. Uh, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Uh, my name is Bernard. Um, I've been here for a couple years now. Um, uh, I had a fairly good con, actually. I'm not here to complain too much. Um, one thing I noticed is the um, you guys are using the RID tag to um, collect, uh, basically tap in and out. So I am assuming there's some data being collected and I see that you guys do a count in the room and some data being collected. Uh, my job is a data analyst and data scientist and I can't turn my brain off. So one of my question is, do you do any data analytics in the off season, so after the con, to try to improve the situation? Like try to do better, because the way I see it is, like I mean there's no way to really completely eliminate the problems because they're just capacity issues. There's too many people wanting to do the same thing. But at the same time, have you considered doing logistics or data analytics or data science or anything like that to make it better? So we actually do. We look at the programming counts that programs have, make decisions about whether they should be in bigger or smaller rooms. If we do something similar in the future, whether the people putting that program on will be willing to be in a bigger or smaller room as appropriate. Right. We look at the flow through the doors, how quickly people come in, how quickly they go up the escalators, how quickly we get badges on them, how many show up to get badged, and on which days. Okay. So we do all of that. Unfortunately, a lot of this comes down to our fundamental problem, which is there's a limited amount of space, and I can crunch numbers for a million days, and it still doesn't make age any bigger. Right. Um, the second thing I was going to ask is, so we have volunteers for a lot of these uh, daily things. Is there anything that I can volunteer to help you with? Because this has been going on in my brain for the last while. Yeah, you certainly can leave, leave me your name and contact information. Or I have slips up here, which I always forget, which have our PO box, our website, and our general email. Okay. So either way, you can do it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Hello, John Rogers. Now, before I get on to my highly suggestion and my complaint, I just want to say congratulations for Comic-Con International becoming the world's most famous comic convention around the universe. I mean, I'm still surprised how you guys were able to get all the top celebrities like Justin Timberlake, Seth Rogen, to come here in the building rather than those other comic conventions. It still surprised me every day. And this is my second year here in Comic-Con. It's wonderful, spectacular, wow. Everything about it is just so awesome. Now, on to my suggestion. 
Now, since last year, um, it was my first time going to um, Comic-Con International. I didn't really know how to uh, ask my questions to my favorite um, heroes, like the creators of South Park, because <laughs> when I was over there right at the Bayfront uh, Hotel doing attending a Bob's Burgers panel, I was sort of fixated on doing something else, and then I tried to run over across the massive crowd of people trying to slither through towards Hall H, where the South Park creators are doing their talking thing. And surely enough, um, a few minutes ago, I just realized that you're supposed to line up in a special line because I didn't know that, no idea how to get my question out to them. It's like, uh, wow, that's how you get your question? And surely enough, it kind of highly disappointed me because I really wanted to get my answer my uh, get my question answered to the creator South Park and you know they're my heroes my uh, savior you know and I know you uh, you probably won't uh, perhaps uh, I know you guys probably won't uh, invite the creators of uh, South Park to come here next year I don't expect you to to happen next year right away but maybe in three to four years or so it would mean the world everything to me if you bring them back here so I can get my question answered by the creator South Park it would make my day. It would, you know, it would give me that sense of purpose why I even came here to Comic-Con in the first place. Because, um, you know, since I've been watching their TV show, really freaking hilarious. <sighs> so, yeah, that's my suggestion. Yep. Just keep that in mind, all right? Yes, Now, for my complaints. Uh, now, for the two other people that were up here in front of Mike complaining about Hall H, that's what I'm complaining about too. Because last year, when uh, after missing out on getting my question answered by the creator South Park, the next day, I, uh, I got in the place twice before, and uh, that was a good, good luck charm for me. But the third time, no go, man, no go. There was a there was this ridiculous separate line that the security guards insist of setting up, rather than the big ass long one behind me that's like uh, what a mile and a half. It's like ridiculous. Why should I even line up in that separate uh, line for more than an hour? Well, to attend an alien convention because I want to attend that the 30th anniversary never happened. I never even got a chance to see it. I mean, because I had to stand in that ridiculous long line cinema by Hall Hell, which I like to call it, for more than an hour. It's not acceptable, not good. It kind of pissed me off. And because of that, well, the line started finally moving and uh, I missed it. I completely missed it. I even asked, um, told, told my, um, you know, concerns and comments about, where did, the alien uh, 30th anniversary uh, happened. Did it really happen at all age? And you know, some of them didn't even notice. I even um, uh, went to that cert um, certain booth where um, it looked like a help desk, but they have no idea what I was talking about too. But then I realized it was the chip booth. You know, where the reader for the cards. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it still continued to haunt me from this day. It's kind of still disappointing. <sighs> Kind of so yeah, just uh, improve the whole at each uh, flow of the yes, line better. to do that. I really like to see that. Okay, thank you for intending. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you. Hi, my name is Sarah. I've been coming to Comic Con since I was about 12 or 13 years old. 
And uh, I've gotten into Hall H well, twice before, and this year when I tried to go, I had a lot of fun with some language I've already stated. Um, something I was wondering about is uh, the whispering distribution times. I'm wondering why they're so late at night, like 8.30, 9.30 at night. Uh, because, you know, everyone else, that they take over two hours to distribute. And many, uh, many attendees like myself take public transportation everywhere. And especially me, I have to take a 45 minute trial ride at home. So I'm waiting over two hours to see if I can get a wristband. Meanwhile, I'm checking the time to make sure I can catch the last trolley. So I'm wondering if it's at all possible to move up the uh, distribution times, if, although if you don't stick to the wristband procedure, but if you do, if you can move up the times, so I, you know, even if I don't get a wristband, I at least know, okay, I still have time to get home. So we picked the start time of that so that people who are currently in H or larger programs have an opportunity to get into that line before it begins. Because it seems that it would be highly unfair of us to say either you can watch the last item in H or you can sit in line for a wristband. So that's where we pick the time. We're continually looking at methods to hand the wristbands out faster because everybody would like to either get to sleep, get home, get back to their hotel room. We understand that. So we're continually looking for ways to do that and do it more quickly. Social media, 
to catch them. I took screenshots. I took them to the show office. The head of ADA is really upset or in charge of the ADA are upset at the people who are bragging. There's people sneaking into Hall H on ADA badges. People bragging about, oh, I went and bought a boot so I can get ADA. An ADA sticker at Comic-Con. They're bragging and talking about how to get a sticker here to get ADA access. That aren't ADA. I mean, I went to the show office. I showed the screenshots. And the guys on Twitter and Facebook the next day bragging that he snuck into Hall H again. He got a bathroom pass. He went to the Game of Thrones experience and how they almost didn't let him back into the next panel at Hall H. Cut their badges. Enforce the rules. Please. They're just making it harder for those of us who need the ADA access. sit in my wheelchair spot. 
these people cannot sit in my attendance spot. They have, the, the, my spot does not affect them in any way. However, having everyone there jockeying for position for the best seat available, especially on Saturday, means I got multiple backpacks to face. I had somebody hit me so hard that they picked my very large butt up and rocked my seat. That was unpleasant for me. And I'm not the only person that did that. It also means for the regular people who've chosen to sit in a spot that is for a wheelchair, they may not have realized that us, we tend to be taller because we're up in these chairs that are a little bit higher. So they sit behind me and I have, I've been told you cannot park there. This is a wheelchair spot. I had an argument yesterday. I had somebody actually damage my park because of it. And then they sit there and they complain the entire day. And I'm, I'm I, I don't, <clears throat> sorry. I'm not the person that said, you can, you can say whatever you want to me, it rolls right off my back. I've been disabled for a very long time. I'm an overweight woman. People have a tendency to say things to me. I'm good with that. After eight plus hours of people talking crap about me yesterday, it made me want to cry. Somebody in the line today was telling me what was said to them yesterday and actually started to cry. Putting people in, I get that it feels good because they slept out since Thursday. We've had people in line just like them. It, it, it looks good on paper, but it doesn't work. Me being there in my chair doesn't affect the first two shoes. And there needs to be a better system. Somebody brought up the RFID thing, tying it into this. If they were numbered, that would be amazing. The other benefit of doing that is, as you said earlier, is you're having problems with people adopting the RFID system. Well, that forces them to. You want to get into Hall H, you will learn to use the RFID system. Believe me, you tell us, you will learn this thing, we will learn the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and
<laughs> then, you know, the people that came after that, they were happy to have a really close seat. <laughs> but it, it gives you the choice. And I think it's important to have that choice, especially for people who are taller like I am. I'm in a chair that is higher than a regular chair. <clears throat> Can't deal with push chairs because of what's wrong with me. Yes. So. I don't think we've adequately considered how the chairs impact the sight lines and how that affects the chairs behind there. Yeah. So, all right. And when we, we think of it as, well, they have a spot and there's only one human for that spot, so that works and didn't think about, well, that doesn't necessarily work for all the other humans that are going to be there that have now chosen a seat and feel that it's been compromised. So I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm going forward and turning around. Because <laughs> I think I can go that way. Hello, Mr. Rogers. My name is Santino. Uh, my seventh year here. Um, well, usually I have a good time. Yeah, I love comedy. I always have fun. I'm not wanting to complain. I complain for personal problems. And, and usually, uh, usually Comic-Con is usually one of those things that's usually packed with people all the time, so some people will hate it, some people are always upset about that. I mean, I, I embrace the crowds. I always know it's going to be crazy and hectic. So me being here is my first time here as well. So something, my complaint is something that I feel affect me so deeply that I have to say something, I guess. So it involves me being in the everything else line for Friday night to Saturday. And uh, this was about 8 p.m. Uh, me and my friend had gotten in the uh, second shoot at 8 p.m. And uh, you know we were pretty up there. We were on the grass concrete area. We weren't too far away from close either. And uh, we eventually made it through the whole night. You know to when they start making everybody stand up and we start eventually bringing this all in, wrapping this all around in the convention center to the top, through past bottom 20, and eventually they start they want to stuff and I'm like okay. Everyone line up, more waiting, waiting, and then finally they say, everyone raise their hand, we're gonna move you, we're gonna move you. So eventually the line we're in, about maybe like, we're like 50 people. We all raise our hands and like, all right, everybody, pay attention to who's around you, come, we're gonna move you to the section over here. So they move us um, from the top of the sales pavilion uh, more towards the area where they do the WB signings table. And as we're approaching, as we're approaching with our arms up, uh, down below the stairs, more close to the marina, they're bringing another line of people. And so right away, our line stops and there's confusion and they start questioning what's going on. And immediately the second line being brought up starts getting frustrated, starts questioning what's going on. There's all kinds of frustrations. And people will start saying, well, I've been here since this time. I've been here since that time. I was here first. Secure, it's probably about five, six, seven security guards just coming up not knowing what to do. They're trying to figure out what to do. They just have to stop. Everyone stops in the middle of all but people are still going, people are still trying to get through, while both lines are just stopped. And finally he says, well, I don't really know what to do, so you guys are just gonna have to go all the way back outside and go all the way around and just start at the end again. And so our line is frustrated, we're angry, we're like, why, we, we did what we were told, we spent the night in the, in, if we were in the shoot, we were in the front, what did we do wrong, why, why is this happening? They really wouldn't tell us, they were just like, you have to, you have to do that. So, so I didn't want to because I obviously didn't want to go to the end of the line, but I didn't want to cut anybody. So I, I, I just kept my eyes on the group of people that were in front of me. I just kept following them. We, we eventually started going down the stairs, but we didn't want to exit because we didn't want to go to the end of the line. So I just kept my eyes on, these, on the people in front of me, and they eventually just uh, got into a crowd of people. So I said I just followed them right after, and uh, immediately after, I think uh, another group of people saw us, and they were confused. We were all confused. So in their mind, I think they just assumed we were cutting. 
And I tried to send them who weren't cutting that nobody else was going on, that we had already been cut by a huge amount of people, and that we were just trying to figure out what was going on just like them, and that if they felt like they were being cut, that I wasn't going to do it, and, and that, you know, I'll move out and let them go ahead, because he was like, that's my mom up there, and we're not together anymore, so obviously you're cutting. And I was like, no, it's fine, go ahead, go ahead, it's fine. And uh, I was just trying to explain to him that we're trying to figure it out. Uh, he still didn't like it, he was still upset at it, so he, he calls the security guard over, and he says, these two don't belong here. These two cut, these two don't belong here. And I was like, sir, no, we do belong here. We're just trying to figure out what we're doing, what's going on. He's like, no, they cut, they cut. So that, the line organization was already an issue. And then immediately after the security comes up and he says, he says, so this guy cut. And I was like, no, I didn't cut. I was like, I'm trying to just figure out the mix. I'm trying to figure out what's going on like everybody else. And he says, well, he says you cut, so you need to get out of the line. And so I said, sir, how does that work? You just accuse somebody and immediately they just have to come up. That's how it works. I can't explain to you what's going on. And all he says is, if you don't leave, I'm gonna take your badge. So I had no choice but to just leave. And it was just so frustrating to have camped out. Smith and I felt I did everything that I was supposed to do. Then not only get told I'm wrong, then get told to leave and feel like, and get punished basically for their screw up. Is what it felt. Which day was this? Uh, it was Friday night going into Saturday morning. But you said it was under the sales. Uh, we had made it up to the sales. It was for the, the Warner Brothers signings, the everything else sign. Uh, and because uh, they take you up to the sales first and then they tell you to go uh, this way for exclusives, this way for signings. And so we were following everywhere. They're going this way, go signings that way. Oh, that guy, just go to that guy, sign with that guy, sign with that guy. Says, uh, end line here, go to him. We went right to him. We waited, we waited and said, okay, everybody, put your hands up. We're taking you in now. And immediately after, it was just one big cluster and it was just all bad for them. And instead of just trying to be understanding, it was just like, well, you guys are just being irritating, so you're gonna. It was just, everything was deflected. Everything, you know, I wasn't trying to be hostile about it. Like I said, I braced the crowds. I understand that, you know, you're not gonna get everything you want. Not, you know, it's not gonna go perfect the way you want, but I've always been happy just getting, you know, settling with what is left. And that day I wasn't even about that. Because <laughs> I was just forced to leave just simply because of being there. And I mean, a lot of people say that people come from the back of the arena and that's what's going on. I don't know honestly what's going on, but the times I have checked, it, it seems like there is nobody watching but, you know, the back area. It seems like there's nothing, there's just nobody back there watching and crowds are just going in and going in and going in. And I really can't explain it because, like I said, I was at the front of the line and the entire line wrapped around to the end of the back of the arena where the badge scanner is, yet when I was forced to go out that at the end, the line, was going directly into the Gmitch Center after that all of a sudden. It wasn't wrapping around the Gmitch Center anymore. Well, so, I'll have to ask some questions and try and figure out yeah. what the heck happened. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't really, you know, really didn't come thinking of solutions, but I just, like I said, I'm not one to complain or anything. I just felt I needed to be hurt because every year something happens where it's like, oh well, oh well, you know, it sucks, oh well. But this year was like, really? I, this is really happening? It was just so surreal to me that I just kind of just like, I was just so frustrated that I couldn't even really be mad about it. It was just, just kind of like a sour taste in my mouth. And I was just like, I don't even know if I'm gonna do this next year. <laughs> That's pretty much it. It was just, just me, my little story, my rant. Sorry, we were confusing, you got misled and thrown out of line, I guess would be the summary. <laughs> I'll have to figure out what happened and how to fix it. Just, I, you know, if, I'm coming with them. If I'm not, you know, I wasn't hostile. I wasn't like trying to start a fight. The security. I was trying to explain to them that there's a mix-up. You know, everyone here is confused. Everyone's trying to figure it out, and he just deflected with, 
you need to, oh, you need to leave, or I'm gonna take your badge, you're cut. Well, he wasn't listening, he just wanted to boss me around. Yeah. Thank you. Hello, uh, sorry. Uh, my name is Ken. I've been coming here for like four years now. This Comic Con movie has probably been my worst year that I've been here. I've had great years previous, but this has been the worst as far as security and the lines and the mix ups. Uh, my friend Santino was just up here and he basically gave a rundown of what happened. Uh, I'm camping out at 9 o'clock and I'm in a good spot to where I'm not too close, I'm not too far away either, so I have a good chance of getting the signing or the exclusive toys or whatever that I want to get. When I got up there and they stopped us, like maybe six people were left in our line to, you know, basically line up the WB signings or line up where they were, they were, hand, were handing us to. There was only six people, there were six people left. But the, the man who stopped us and told us to go all the way back decided to have these six people go all the way to the back of this line even though we were the first to get there. And that's where my frustration had come because this happened the day before too, where for whatever reason I had to go outside the convention, scan my badge outside, and then come right back in to get in a line which was all the way by the marina. And we had just read on Twitter that people were coming in from the marina and no one who had been uh, out there camping had a chance to get autographs or any of this exclusive stuff because all these people are coming into the marina. And what my solution is to probably just to even stop that, can't like give the people who are coming into the front way, the right way, the people who camped out stamps or a wristband or anything. If that can't be done, uh, you have those orange cones set up everywhere. Set up a few orange cones with the orange uh, rope by the marina entrance, and no one can get to that. And no one can go through that entrance. Have a couple security guards there because they love telling people like. You can't do this. Like, get a couple of the, the security guards standing there with the orange roped off marina entrance. That was so people don't go through there. Um, because during the last four years, I've always been able to get something. And this year, I was sent so far back, there was no possible way of me getting anything. And then to be accused of cutting in line and then threatening to take my badge away for not, for not doing anything wrong. And it's like, so I camped out all night on rocky pavement to get yelled at and told that my badge had been taken away. It's not the fact that I didn't get an autograph, it's the fact that I didn't, there was no way for me to even get a chance to even get the lottery. And then to be pretty much felt like, oh well, I, this, this is my one vacation. This one, this week, this the entire year, I get one vacation week, and this is what I choose to do. Um, so just to be treated like that is just, it's so wrong, you know what I mean? And like I said, if you can't give someone a stamp when they walk in, um, different color for different days, if you can't get a wristband for them, that was so, they're like, okay, so if you have a wristband, we know you went in the right way, so you can go and get your autographs or whatever. At least block off that marina area, it's not that big of an area, but it's wide open for anybody who wants to just you know, badge right in and they can go right to the places they want to get their autographs without having to wait at all. Okay, we'll have to take a look at the back there and get some more stuff. Thank you. Hi, uh, 
This is my second year of battling the exhibitors uh, race. I filmed myself um, from the sales to the Marvel booth, and I was the first person in line in the sales. There was nobody ahead of me, and when I got to the Marvel booth, there was 400 people already in the sales. Uh, I'm sorry, already at the Marvel booth, and I didn't get a shot of getting to the raffle. No attendees got a shot at the raffle. Because the line was capped due to the majority of, uh, ex of exhibitors. My solution, possibly, is I noticed that the Indigo room had, um, had um, mobile valid checks to see if the, the RFID was scanned. So you can check to see if the attendee badges were scanned for the entrances. Also, they got, they got that. I think that's going to come up on the sales where I check to see if people scan their badge. I guess that's the main problem where the booth is have a way to chance to, to, to scan whether or not if if the person actually was a legit attendee or exhibitor. It has to be fixed because otherwise we're wasting our time uh, and no we're wasting our time going to the racing to the booth and we're all frustrated from that. I guess that's all I have to say. in that time. And I've been in crowds where I thought, you know, if one person gets impatient, this can get bad real quick. Point is, I haven't seen that. I've seen people be, work their way up slowly to where they're going, be patient, courteous, make the best effort they could to make space for people in scooters and wheelchairs. Uh, listening to all these complaints, I realize uh, this might not be universally true, but as far as I'm concerned, I do want to extend uh, great uh, Big thanks to all the fans, all the new fans. You've shown a great level of basic human decency, and I really hope that continues. All right, all right, all right. All right, John, um, I'm going to come at you. I'm, I've been here yeah, about four years. I'm, I'm still writing, so all right, stay tuned. And let me know when you're Taking this uh, shot to the That's what a lot of your fans are here to see, and it's amateur hour. Um, you got about four or five guys. Um, where is the leadership when it comes down? You guys come out, you get a drive home on Friday, you guys get the, you, you throw the, the wristbands out on Friday and Saturday, and it becomes a cluster F. I won't drop the F on, but I'm not gonna do it, because I respect the young. But um, yeah. I, I come out, I literally walked up. I was in a group that hung out at 10.30 in the morning on Friday to get in the Hall H. And work was on the street, you know, we're, we're following Twitter, we're trying to follow the communication, and
and it's like things are going down. I'm walking up. If someone offered me a wristband, I walked up 10 minutes. I walked the line for 10 minutes to see where things were at, and someone offered me a wristband. I wanted to take it, but there was about three people I waited in line with at 10.30 that would not have got a wristband. But your leadership there had failed. They were willing to give some guy that cut in line a wristband just because they cut in line. They, they, where's the leadership on that? Um, you, need a, you need some program management. I work for the largest defense contractor in the world as a program manager, and I would be fired if I ran an establishment which you guys are going on here. Come on, man, you guys are making a boatload of money. A boatload of money. Where is, you got four guys going out there with some present vests and, and, and kids in their 20s trying to run this thing. Where's, last year we came in and people made a makeshift line and I almost didn't get the ticket. I was over by the crab shack. And then you rock the, uh, the you're doing the, the Vikings thing? And you have a whole line of things here. Like, well, we're gonna stop what we're going on with the uh, with the Hall H, and we're gonna like you guys now go down to the second island as we fulfill the Viking thing. Why not put the Viking whatever fire thing you put on some fake funeral or whatever? Why did you know the second ship? You've already got the line set up, and you screwed it up. You screwed so many people over. Like the, like the, the cat that said earlier, this is their vacation. We spend, we spend millions of dollars to, to get this stuff, and we miss it because you guys can't manage it. Put together a team of leadership that can step outside. Don't get four guys in their 20s you know, to hand out wristbands. Put a team of guys out there. If you have to contract it, I guess we're going to get both of money. Put a team of guys out there. Set it up. Come on, man. People are putting their... You guys work all year long for this stuff. Let's do it. Can we run for the room? Thanks, man. I hope, I hope when you come out of this, you look, at the, you, you look at what went wrong tonight, or yesterday, or the day before, and say, let's put together a plan, let's look at the metrics, and let's put together something. Hell, hire me. Me and, my, me and my contract team, we'll put together a team, and it'll make more money than you ever want. All you got to do is a free pass. Just so you know, the Viking thing had nothing to do with us. That was a the report district approved. It's it's your show, buddy. No, you run all this. No, we don't. The port does things without any input from us. Well, maybe we step it up because you have to save a lot of people and a lot of line cutters. You need to look for you need to look for a workaround, buddy. You screwed a lot of people tonight. A lot of people are here. Dude, I don't, I don't come to this stuff. I don't care about this shit. But I came because I wanted to voice my opinion and how bad my experience was. These are people that can be out right now and experience all of Comic Con, but they're here right now to express how disappointed they were with your event. Come on, John, you can take no. this, right? No. Exactly. No, no I'm, I'm going to defend John on this one. The Port Authority is something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Guys. Clearly, we have to figure out a different way to do it. Clearly, H did I not work well. I really do, because I'm not coming back the next couple years until you figure it out. Fair enough. Fake wristbands? You had to, you had to get 400 people a free
free access last next year because you couldn't return it out. Thank you. by one of the con workers. A list of the gold card holders was brought forth, and of course, my name was on that list. In all probability, I am the oldest surviving gold card recipient. As you are once certainly aware of, I received this status because I am one of the original Comic-Con creators when it was originated by two separate groups in mid-1969. As, meant, as I mentioned, you knew who I was, and you personally got involved for two years in the 90s to see that I got all the passes that I needed. I thank you for that, that then. Last year, as I went to get my gold card passes, I told there was a problem. I was told there was a problem. I went over to a committee booth and spoke with one of the women there. She told me that the records of my gold card status could not be found. I said, that's ridiculous because the workers who saw me in 2015 when I was shown the list that, they, that verified that I was indeed a gold card holder, I was with two friends who saw this list also. Both of these friends were active Comic-Con committee members in the 70s and 80s. One gentleman was a committee member for 10 years and ran the art show for two of those years, and the other was a committee member for 15 years. You know them both rather well, at least then, and you were at least casual friends back then. I would like to meet you also, as they and myself chatted with you for about five minutes during the 2015 convention, talking about the good old days, etc. What I noticed at that time was you were looking at me rather oddly. After being denied my gold card status tickets later in 2016, I was led to believe that you were the one responsible for my gold card status magically disappearing. My reasoning is this. When I spoke with the committee member in two, uh, oh, when I spoke with the committee member in 2016 after being told my gold card status records couldn't be found, she said she would, uh, she said she, I would have to speak with someone about the man. She, uh, she would have to speak with someone about the man. She left, and about 15 minutes later, she came back with you, and both of you went into the committee booth uh, where I could not hear or see one of you during that time. She came out shortly and told me that she could only give me two tickets. She personally walked me over to the passes counter and told the person working there to give me only two passes. I then saw you outside of the same committee booth. I walked over to you and with one of my friends and confronted you. I asked you why you would do such a thing, knowing who I was. Your answer was, and I quote, all you get is two, unquote. My belief is that you did this because while chatting with your two committee member friends during the 2015 convention, that all the I got from you was because it bothered you that my 2015 convention gold card passes, and there were 15, <coughs> I was wearing proudly stated Friends of Co-Creator on them. 
What I do is how the Comic-Con started back in 1969. It was hard to get anybody to come to these many cons. The first one probably had 50 people. Everybody involved would get free passes, go out and hand them out to people that had never been there just to get this thing going. So this is what I still do. I meet people on the street that I don't know. They typically tell me what happens. Ask them if they've been to the Comic-Con. And if they say no, I say, here's my personal phone number. Call me two days before the con. I'll get you a free pass. That's what I do. I still have and one condition. I save all the tickets. So every time I come back, I've got to take the short, but I'm not selling these things. <clears throat> anyway. My question for you is this. Were you involved in any way with my golf cart status disappearing? And why did you take it upon yourself to have my Comic-Con passes reduced to two last year? Thank you for listening to me. I would appreciate an answer. We have never revoked anybody's gold card status. I'm there scared. is no record whatsoever of you ever having a gold card. That's not true. We can't find it. Yeah, this last year. I, the people came out with a list, showed my name on it, the two ex-commit members, the lady had the list, she showed everybody by name. The main guy that does the pass is Mr. Chris, I'm not sure his last name. Oh, okay, you can have what you want. I tried to get passes for my committee member friends, figured they, they deserve free passes. I've all, we've all gotten pro tickets for years. I've done pro work and everything else. But, but they, he would not give them passes, but he told them they could get passes off of my gold card status. I got those, both persons some more tickets. So all of a sudden, two committee members, your, your main guy at the, at the, they hands out the passes, saw this, the lady came over with the list, showed everybody, and then last year, it disappeared. So for you to sit here and say they did those no records, perhaps that's true, but they disappeared, and they were there. I've got a lot of people that saw this. So what can you do for them? Or what are you going to do for them? Nothing? We have no record of you ever having a phone card. No, that's, that, I'm trying to prevent that. Get a wire. Yeah. because that's kind of what real life is all about. The good is, number one, the backside security on the backside of the, of the sales pavilion after the opening of the convention center. I'm not gonna to speak to what it's like, you know, when everybody's coming on in to the exhibit hall, to the sales pavilion at the opening, but I can just tell you, after everybody's arrived, it's it's exemplary, to tell you the truth. I don't know maybe, Add more security, I'm, I'm gonna guess that's what it was. But the guys back here, the guys that run it, Mac, and on the higher side, and Manny on the lower side, do a pretty darn good job. The other thing that's really nice about this, and I'm sure you get this feedback all the time, it's amazing the amount of celebrities that come here, do panels, do signings, and so on. And the first time, I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know you did vlog appearances, you guys got Steven Spielberg to do a panel and new assignment. Let's hear applause for that, I think. Steven Spielberg. Um, the, the other thing that's really great, I found out, I didn't, didn't know this until this last con, 
is the disability people going into the exhibit hall, they have a separate line. I, I just learned that this last time. And the way that's set up, the way that's scattered into, the way they get that to transport them up, that's 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 pretty good stuff. It's run, it's run really, really well. Now the complaints. This is the first comment I've ever had an issue with the AC, in particular in the panel rooms. Um, I usually don't get like tired or like kind of heat exhausted or get dehydrated unless it's really warm in, in the room, right? And there's been a couple panel rooms. You know, people would tell me that some rooms are relatively pretty cool, and other rooms would be, you know, more tepid, a little more warm. And this is the first time I've ever like really experienced that. Is there some issue that the rooms are set at different temperatures or something, or, or what's going on with that? Usually when we're in this building, we're using all the AC that's available. And for example, room 20 is never cold enough, in my opinion. <laughs> and we're running as much air in there as we can. It's the capacity that the building was built to. So it's actually been getting better than it was 10 years ago. So when you're, you're, you're literally limited out. Yeah. Okay, wow, okay. And then the next thing is, is as those gentlemen were saying, with the um, transport from the exhibit hall chutes up to the, you know, the Golden Sales Pavilion. This is the first year that it's been kind of, it changes every year, but this year in particular was very unusual in that usually, you know, they, they, they walk us in and you walk down, you know, like a, like a, you know, a 10 foot wide pathway to the escalator and then we walk down another, whatever, 10 foot wide pathway to the pavilion and then we go from there to you know, exclusives and signings and so on and so forth. And this time, they, it, it was pretty unfair to the people who were later in line, and this is why they probably didn't get their exclusives and their signings. They had us in a pathway about, I, I, I kid you not, Mr. Raj, it, it couldn't be more than four feet. I didn't measure it, but it, it was very, very narrow. And we basically, as my son said, we waddled down the, yeah, down the hallway. And then by the time we got there, if you were later in the line and you were not further up, because one time I was further up, one time I was further back, you didn't, you know, you didn't get a chance. If you were further back, you didn't get anything. You know, and then as another gentleman said, when some of the people had gotten down, or they were going down past, past the bottom of the stairs, you know, on the sales building into the harbor, harbor front area, you know, they were down there and people that were down in that area that just kind of showed up, you know, they were going ahead and cutting up in front of them. And then, you know, basically they didn't get what they had spent the overnight to get. So that, you know, those yeah. are the really bad things. Otherwise, it was, you know, there's always been bad with everything. We created that channel because the previous year we wound up with <laughs> 10 wide people and they just broke off and ran the exclusives and that seemed very, very dangerous. But then I don't think we've made an adjustment with the people handing out the things for the exclusives to let the majority arrive before they start their process. So I think that they started handing out, people started rejoining the end of the line as we do allow people to. Right. And then they all go before everyone else gets up there. Right. So, so we're gonna have to look at how that starts up and you know, build up the line at this point before you start distributing. Well, you don't want them running, obviously, but at the same time, you don't want to hold them back so much that they don't even have a, a chance. 
You right. know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and, and then at the same time, coming at it from this aspect of it, let me tell you what, they, let me tell you what they're going to tell you, okay? They're going to say, look, we've got to get back towards it. we got stuff we've got to do. we got stuff we've got to stop. We got stuff, you know what I mean? It's like there's, 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 there's two sides to every story, a good and bad. And believe me, I'm a salesman, it's not, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's a gimme to a certain extent, you know what I'm saying? It's like a, this is our advantage to you to come, you know, you know do our thing, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's good and bad. And I, I know you've got tough deals, I kind of always do that, but most of the time, up until this one, it's been pretty, it's pretty well, solid. <laughs> It was pretty dangerous on Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in 2016. And we went with a single shoot on Sunday of 2016. And that made the running more tolerable and less dangerous. But then we're not asking the companies doing the exclusive to wait for more of the line to get up there before they start. Because if there's 10 people in line, the first 10 are going to get everything and that's right. that. Right. We have to figure out how to coordinate that a little better. Or ask them to start, you know, 15 minutes after we start to move the line. I'm sure they'd be perfectly happy to get up later. <laughs> okay. I understand. Thank you very much. Thank you. Taped together 
which was, that I was totally able to use easily. This year I was told that, uh, I guess it was a woman named Robin, uh, was not able to do that. She did make a larger scale, you know, a little bit larger than what's in the book. Um, but it was also only, I had to do it every single day to get it, and I asked if it was possible <coughs> this was at the show area. Um, they didn't even have one in the ADA area, actually. But, and they've always been very kind. I mean, I really want to emphasize the kindness, um, you know, that I've almost always been dealt with. Uh, because that, that goes so, that just really touches me. Um, but in terms of the, the getting the actual schedule that's usable for me, it would be really helpful if I was able to get that at the beginning. Like even, I, I understand that sometimes there are changes that you make, and what I was told is that Robin doesn't get it in the PDF until that day. Um, but I said, I don't need, I'm not worried about if there's some minor changes, but to have something to be able to get help you know, for me to be able to try to work out the logistics and get help from friends or other people that are here, it really would be helpful if I could at least have it the day before, you know, and, and with the understanding that it might change. I'm fine with that. So those are my only suggestions. And again, I had a, I always have a great time, and I really appreciate the magnitude of all of the different areas that you have to deal with those logistics. Thanks. Lining up for late, um, not like 
sorry, Funko, they were like, hey, Hall H people, are you excited? We're on the other side next to Marina, and we're like, we're the Hall H people. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was bizarre that they didn't know what was going on. So at that point, we thought, hey, if they're not bringing the information to us, they're short staff. We'll bring the information to them. So we went, talked to volunteers, talked to other line staff people, and then we found out that there was a line manager at the front of the shoots called Randy. Went to talk to Randy. He said, hey, we don't know if you are aware, but last night there was blatant line cut, line cut. Groups of 15 ballooning to groups of 85. Um, you know, people pulling wristbands out of their backpacks that is actually on video and selling it to people and putting them on people's wrists. And we showed him the video and his first reaction was, line cutting? What line cutting? And we're like, where were you the past 48 hours? Um, okay, and he was listening to us talk about the situation and we said, you know, this maybe would have been uh, avoided if you manage the situation of allowing people to line up earlier and earlier and earlier. And he said, there's nothing we can do about that. People, it's city property, they can, people can line up whenever they want. We can't take away their badges, which is funny, after I hear so many people in line before me talk about people threatening to take away their badges. Um, and so we gave a few suggestions, we were being polite, and he said, well, maybe you should, and I quote, maybe you should take it up with the people who are in line so early. We were just, in awe, um, he was giving no valid responses. We were trying to provide information, and um, he gave us a really bad attitude. And in the end, we didn't get in. But you know, that's that's you guys had a lot of other problems in mind, so I don't. We weren't trying to blame him, but he got really defensive. And um, we've been coming to the con, going to college for four or five years. Not as long as some other people. We've never seen it worse. Uh, and one thing I'll edit, um, other thing I like to point out is, for some reason, the Hall H line gets worse when there's no access to Embarcadero South, that little island. So last year, we noticed the same thing happening with Star Wars. And then once you have that parking lot, we like to joke to call it Tent City, next to Joe's Crab Shack, that's where everything just starts to go crazy. maybe go through the line, count people before they distribute the wristbands and maybe cut it off when, you know, there are groups of people holding, you know, one, one person can't hold for five, but hey, if you get to, a, if you have a line that goes all the way to market, to Zeeport Village, in market yourself, and you have people in Joe's, near the parking lot near Joe's Crab Shack, that was 200 people, and then all of a sudden, when the wristbands start to come out, they balloon to like a thousand people. Like, how is that even possible? And there is no way we can line cut, line cutting. Randy was like, we were saying, oh, we haven't seen staff for a long time, and we're concerned about the situation where we're in the standby line. Last night was really bad with the line cutting. Now we're even more concerned. We don't even know if we're gonna, if we're gonna get in, but if the line cutting keeps happening, there's you know, even a less chance, and we just wanted 
he would look out and he was saying, oh, if you don't see your stuff, it's because we have plain clothes people watching the line and the gap and all. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting response that I got from him. And um, I think if you guys could adjust the Joe's Crab Shack parking lot situation, I think that line will be a little bit more manageable with like, and having staff on the line communicating to the people lining up instead of have us wait and waste basically a day at the con just sitting there. So it's like a disrupted the whole parking area. 
like a lot of people are up and down and the people cannot park there. And the second uh, thing she said to me is that the uh, panel, they will give away room, a restroom ticket and people try to sell it online. So I think uh, just uh, the next person that if he bought it like 50 or $20, he can just put it and say, I, hey, I'm just going to bathroom. And she just going to, uh, he or she just went when in ballroom 20 because that is a very tiresome line. You just keep moving and you cannot sit still because a lot of people just give up and you keep moving and keep moving and the line never ends. So uh, my suggestion is use your RFID system that whenever you want to get a lottery line, you have to have two logs inside this number. First log, first log is the front gate log. The next, if you have to go past, down, uh, go down the arena, you have to tap out. So you will have to two log before you re-enter and after six o'clock. After six o'clock, two log, and then you'll be able to enter the lottery. You cannot just go upstairs and get your stuff. And the second one is restroom ticket. Uh, I saw people at, um, uh, batch solution uh, desk. They use handheld device to help people to scan their badges. So why cannot bathroom um, like a, a, the crowd control um, uh, volunteers or any others do the same thing? You want to go to the bathroom, tap. Make sure it's the same person coming back. You have uh, the such terrific. Not only because you have. Um, TV series actor on it because you can use it. So that's my problem about because I like this kind of problem. That I I was there. I really tried to be there and follow the rule. You know, I have to spend a lot of money on plane ticket. Yeah, because I'm I flew from Asia. So that is uh, like a, not only time loss but actually money loss because I stay there for a whole night and get nothing. But I know it sounds selfish, but I really try to follow your rule book. It said, no, you can line up for the next day, but not beforehand. But when I read it on Twitter, and they said Saturday night, Saturday night is for me uh, Thursday, uh, maybe there's Thursday and there said uh, there are people lying out for Saturday and no one go to no you cannot line up. Only Friday night you can like line up. There's no such thing but it's on the rulebook. You cannot line up be before Friday for Saturday. But no one to enforce the law uh, enforce the rule it, it, it causes all kinds of problems. And please please use your RFID system wisely. Two comments you made were have designated pickup and drop off locations for Lyft and Uber. And then about the bathroom passes, the shadow economy is getting worse. She was approached in the back of the Indigo Ballroom by a scalper to collect cell bathroom passes.
baseball park. <laughs> and it's not being utilized for the events. Jesus Christ. And I just want to ask about that and how we can utilize Petco Park to its full potential. Can't afford it. The issue with Petco, as we've looked into it, is you can't do the level of video presentation that we do in Hall H in an open air environment. And if you don't have good quality video, somebody like Steven Spielberg is not going to be interested in attending your event to see the thing that they care about and work on and matters a lot to them passionately wind up on a really crappy display. So now, come the day that someone solves that problem, which, you know, that's always a possibility. With it, some kind of ten, temporary tenting that can put We looked at that. We got pricing on that. It was scary. <laughs> it did not seem to be a good use of anybody's money to spend somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 million, I think it was, to get a 2,000-seat program room with air conditioning and roof and all of that. Okay. Went, okay, thanks. Okay, I'm glad you looked into that. And the convention center expansion that's going to be on the ballot, what type of uh, structures are going to be? Are they going to have great halls, even bigger than Hall H? Or do you know anything the expansion about that? that was proposed, you can find the details for that in the different newspaper and different articles. As far as I know, that's still their plan. And come the day they get the money, then it'll be more of a real plan. And yes, you have a, a spare half billion, you'd like to have a city. Yeah. Oh, sure. And I'm pretty sure if you were to do that, we could get it named after you. I would go out on the land and say the city will probably hook you up. Okay. So I just want to know is Comic Con going to get out and, and say what, which uh, proposal they prefer? Because I heard competing. We, yeah. Well, what our editorial that went into the paper said is that we prefer a contiguous expansion. Contiguous. Okay. That might not be impossible with the layout of the land here. Well, that's our opinion. That's what we prefer. And, you know, half a billion dollars on some land, and maybe you'll get there. The, the non-contiguous would be cheaper, though. Okay. Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, I would like to thank the people of San Diego for making my stay here so hospitable. And I've made some nice friends while securing at Comic Con, <laughs> sharing the same misery of you. <laughs> As you may tell, uh, I'm not from here. This is my first Comic Con ever, and I wanted to go to the best Comic Con. I had a great first two days. Unfortunately, after Saturday, and the whole H departure on, Line cutting, forced line buddies, and counterfeit wristbands, I will not be coming back. Staff were informed of line cutting and forced buddy partners, and nothing was done. It would appear staff were not looking or checking whether wristbands were real or not. I unfortunately did not get wristbands, and I was the 86th person in the line after all the wristbands were distributed in a standby line. I did not get wristbands after queuing from Friday, 8.30 in the morning. I decided to sleep rough overnight, not going back to my hotel, and waiting till 8 o'clock, no, waiting till 6 o'clock for the last marble panel in the first sheet, before finally giving up on not getting into the hall page. 
I do not mind queuing and not getting wristbands if it is fair for everyone. As it is not, it is surely Comic Con's responsibility to prevent line cutting and forced body partners. It is not the line. It is not the line's responsibility to manage itself. It is also sad. It is also sad that I have had to spend my last day at Comic Con here. Hall H has left a very, very bad taste in my mouth. Where, in all honesty, I cannot recommend any of my friends come here. It has taken me four years to get here. I felt lucky and privileged just to get Comic Con tickets. I've spent a lot of time, goodwill, and money coming here. I followed the rules and got screwed. I put it to you, Mr. Rogers, on how you will improve the system. What can you do to restore my faith and to encourage me to come back and recommend my friends coming? Thank you. So clearly we realize that we have problems with that and we have to figure out how to do it differently. And there's already been many ideas discussed. We haven't necessarily picked one yet. And we have to figure out what we can implement, what's achievable, what makes sense, and what's fair. And I don't have a solution for fixing the line cutting. It seems as if I could hire an infinite number of security guards and not achieve a reasonable standard in most people's minds. So it is impossible to hire an infinite number of anything. So I don't have an answer for that at the present time. I realize that it is very frustrating that you invested your time and your money and did not get a reasonable nor fair shot at the thing you wanted. That's correct. Um, also, it seemed that there was plenty of staff in the morning up to that lunchtime, but then afterwards there was no fee until around about 8.30 when they started actually moving line to actually pick up wristbands. Didn't see any staff from about 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon up to the evening. That's okay, I'm not expecting an answer immediately right now. Thank you. We'll look at all the schedules and see how many people we had staffed and how to make that work. I, you know, my first reaction is this long linear line that we have that goes for miles is really, really, really difficult to defend. And I, we seem to have better luck with the serpentine line and H under the tents. That seems to be more doable for us to defend who's coming in there, who's trying to cut, and things like that. And I don't know how to achieve the same thing in a longer line. And I also think that as we become more popular, the number of people who don't necessarily what I would think of as our culture share in terms of the I would never cut in front of somebody in a line, I would never accidentally do that, has changed. And where we were a little bit more self-policing and polite, we now seem to not be, and we have not appropriately adjusted to that, and gone over to more of a 
it's more the general public and they're not necessarily going to follow the process where I think five years ago everybody did because they felt that was fair and now that's not happening. Okay, thank you.
And, you know, even this, once again, relying on the scan thing, not the policy. I finally get someone to say, okay, go on, go on up. When I get up there, they're stuck with the scan thing again and didn't want to give it. So I go over to the troubleshooting guy that's over here. He's willing to trust me because I don't think he knew either. Okay? But your policy is to get it. I go downstairs and I say, okay, I'm going to go and talk to the gas place over there, roll it up and everything else. Believe it or not, I start walking out the door. Of course, the thing, they want you to scan it again. Then they wanted to investigate my, my badge. I had to go get your human relations person. She'll verify that <laughs> and bring her over there and get me out of the building. Uh, that scan thing is not what it's supposed to be. They shouldn't be paying attention. They should know what the rules are. If technology is so great, why couldn't they just simply look it up on the thing and say, oh, the four-day pass people could come in too and pick up their badges and leave. Okay? That's one. Number two, for the strangest thing I've ever seen before, uh, on the other side of the building, okay, you got the escalator and you got the elevator shaft there, right? Going down. That's the one over by A and B. On Thursday, on Friday and Saturday, suddenly they got a sign up there saying, exit the convention. They wouldn't allow you to go down. The sign said that. That's exactly up there. It was up there. Both Friday and Saturday that you were supposed to go to. I said, what is this? Okay, so I'm going to the other side. So obviously, these people are dealing with, they shut down the other side, the escalators, I guess, for the registration people coming up. They should have left that thing down there. Since 92 until this year, those escalators were always available. I don't know who's planning this, but that's bad. Number two, number three going down the line. Okay, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in the prizes in the morning. When I came in uh, 92 and I believe 93 and 94, you stood outside in the sun. And then it was a brilliant idea to bring you into the sales pavilion and everybody got out of the sun. You walk in through the doors and everything. Suddenly last year just changed. So now, what you've gone out there in the morning, you can get here at six o'clock, you got people standing in line. The old days, six o'clock rolls around, you walk in, all the doors open. Locking those doors and keeping people out is a mistake. It's a major mistake. The whole idea was that when I did that the last time, I was out there going, oh, I'm wearing short sleeve shirts, it's fine, I'm gonna be inside. You're out there an hour, two hours, more than that. <laughs> but what? I go in the hotel now and sit there until 9.30, and then I walk over to the building rather than do it. That's the only thing you can do now. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for that at all. And I like to really see what my solution is. One, fire these guys that are up over here. The, this security thing has been the worst security group I've ever seen. And I've seen the security all the way through. I would like to see the person in charge being Comic-Con and not the security people. I would like to see at every single entrance there a senior, and I do mean senior, I mean those are the people that have been working for you year-round out there that know the policies and will enforce it. You might, you know, if you can find enough, you can hire those people and do some of that on the lines too outside, you know, all agents, some of those problems, you might be able to deal with that along that line. Uh, if you're looking for bad ideas, okay, why don't you buy the hotel, 
what I wrote to you years ago was close that street over there and get that hotel. Remember at one time there was not a hotel over there and they should have bought that property. And then you would have had you would have had been able to solve more problems that way. Which hotel? Uh the one that's out to uh Hall H. Bay 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 which is on uh, East Portland. Well, can't buy it. Well, all I can all I can say is I remember when remember this was half a half a building and then it became two buildings and I don't believe that hotel was over there during that time. So I mean they could have bought the property way back when. They you can can't buy for a property. You can't. I don't know. There's all kinds of talk about what's That's going why on. Seaport Village is going to go away. Yeah, that's what I heard. They're going to flatten the whole thing and build something else because it's at least Portland and their lease is up. But um, can you solve any of these problems? Can you take? I would really like to see Comic Con be in control of security type thing. You know, this really this year. I mean, security's always been an issue here. You know, if you're out there, it's always some of that. I had to leave the line here because I had to go downstairs and pick up something. So I was about two lines back. Even going out there, they were even trying to close the place down before it was time to close it down. Yep. You know, they asked you, what are you doing? <laughs> I told them, you want to get fired? Okay, fine, you're going to let me through. <laughs> no, we're going to mess with that stuff. But I would really like to see some, you know, something done about the communication. I think you need your people there controlling it and not them. And really, their security group was bad. The worst I've ever seen. And as far as that goes, designated seating areas, you know, the old deal is the same old kind of deal. You sit there one day, the next day you come back and you can't sit there. Can we do a uniform like this? The fire, can't you tell the fire marshal somebody and say, okay, this is the area you can have, and this is the area you can't have? And it would be a lot easier and a lot better if we could do something like that. But that doesn't seem to happen. And we've you know, tried to do that unsuccessfully. Why fire, was, why was the fire marshal gets to change their mind. Elected human. Not elected. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You. And, uh, hopefully, I'll make it through and be back again next year. It's kind of great as always. Well.